You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 227, Feeling Like You Don't Have What It Takes. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Hello, I'm Jeff Cavins, and thank you for joining me today as we we talk about feeling like you don't have what it takes. Have you ever felt that way? I have felt that way many times in my life, whether it's financially or whether it's clout or wisdom or resources. Oh, I felt like that many times, and I'm sure you have as well. And I'd like to address that today from a Christian perspective, from a disciple's perspective, which is what we talk about every week here on the Jeff Caven Show. We talk about, about the Bible, and we talk about simplicity, and we talk about discipleship and family, so many different topics. It was in the early 1980s that I left the comfort of my little home in, in Pella, Iowa, and I, I rode my motorcycle all the way to Bradenton, Florida, packed with Bibles and clothing and all kinds of things because I was going to attend this six-week pastoral training school down in Bradenton. And uh, I marshaled you know, together all the money that I had and made sure Emily had money because she was going to stay behind uh, for that period of time. It was like a desperate uh, hunt for that formation where I could become that young pastor that I, I knew God wanted me to become. And I, I drove down to Bradenton through storms and heat and all kinds of things. And uh, by the time I got down there, I had very little money left. I mean very little, like $20 or something like that. And uh, as a result of that, I was kind of forced to fast for about 40 days. And I did. It was water, and it was uh, a baker gave me a little slice of uh, what was called Ezekiel bread every day, and I ate that that slice every day, and that's what I that's what I was sustained uh, by for forty days, and it was at the end of the the, the six week uh, schooling that it was time for me to go back up to Iowa, and I had my motorcycle there, and I packed my motorcycle, and I knew that I had, by that time, I think Emily sent me $20 in the mail, something like that. Uh, we didn't have we didn't have a Venmo or anything like that back then, and I was just happy to have that $20. But I thought, man, I've got to stop in Mobile, Alabama on the way back. I'm going to stay overnight, and hopefully I can find a cheap dive to stay in. And uh, I, was, I was revving up my motorcycle sitting there as everybody was getting ready to drive and out and people were packing their cars to leave. And I said, oh, God, I really I need help. I need help. And right as I left, a lady came over, a fellow student who didn't know about my situation at all because I didn't, I didn't broadcast that. She walked up to me and she said, the Lord told me to give this to you. And she handed me an envelope I opened it up, and there was a $100 bill. I thought, oh, Lord, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, what's interesting is that during that time at that pastoral training school, I continued to give, but it was like a dollar at a time. And now suddenly this lady gives me a check for a $100 bill, and I'm like, whoa, God, you are amazing. 
I had one other incident where Emily and I were really just broke. We were young in our early 20s, and and I was trying everything I could to make sure that that uh, that I could I could spend my life in ministry with the Word of God. And we didn't have anything. And I remember one time in a service, we I, saw, I put my Bible down next to me in the pew, and I was praising God and worshiping God during this this service. And uh, I sat down and I opened up my Bible. And there was a $100 bill in the Bible. Now, that lady down in Bradenton wasn't with us there, but it was another sign of, God, you are so good. You always provide for me. And, and I so appreciate that. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes here as we get together deep in the woods to talk about uh, God's provision in your life, particularly when you feel like you don't have what it takes to get whatever job or whatever you're facing done. Now, in the kingdom of God, it's interesting because the kingdom of God, first of all, let me say this, the kingdom of God and the things that we teach are not formulas for becoming great. They are not five steps to financial success programs. They're not, they're not meant for you to become the person you've always dreamed you would be. That's not that isn't the purpose of all this. It's always Christocentric. It's always about Jesus and in his kingdom. And his kingdom is unlike anything else in the world. It's different than Wall Street. It's different than politics. It's different than a liberal arts you know, education or universities. It's different than Votech. The kingdom of God is amazing. It's where the last are first. The mustard seed is compared to a mountain, the current suffering is compared to glory, and when you are weak, you become strong, and the widow's might becomes the model of tremendous giving and generosity. That's the kingdom of God. Hey, by the way, if you want the show notes, let me break here for a second. If you want the show notes, all you got to do is text my name, and that's Jeff Cavins, one word, and you can text it to 33777. And on the show notes for this program, I'll even put my website on there, jeffcavins.com, because I want to remind you that coming up this next January, that's 2022, if you're listening to this in 2030, we are going to Israel, a grand pilgrimage, and we'd love for you to join us. We have one trip that is for first-timers or for people that just want to go on a great pilgrimage, and then we have a special trip in January for second-timers. Those are people that have gone before and they would like to go back to some of the popular sites, but they'd also like to investigate some of the new sites. We're going to do that in January. And then next June is the big one. Father Mike Schmitz and I will be leading a great trip to the Holy Land in June of 2020. Go to my website. You can find all that out. Okay. So we're talking about feeling like you don't have what it takes. Who hasn't been there, huh? Well, there is a tremendous story in the Bible that talks about uh, what Jesus can do with a little. Maybe you know that story already. You can take a guess if you'd like. What is that story where Jesus can do an awful lot with very little? That is the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm going to read to you a little bit from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, where Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish and met the needs of a lot of people. This is indicative of the kingdom of God. 
And if you feel like that right now, that you you uh, you don't have what it takes to feed the crowd, well, you're at home here because this is the kingdom of God, and the way that the kingdom of God operates is different than any other institution or family or organization in the world. And the reason is, is because there is a, a, a rule here, a law, if you will, and that is that little in the hands of Jesus is enough. If he has called you to something, if he has called you to raise children, if he has called you to be a teacher, a mathematician, if he has called you to be a priest, if he's called you to be a religious, then you have what it takes now. If you will give it to Jesus, he can do amazing things with it. As you may know, I worked for six years with Mother Angelica at EWTN. I had my own show, The Life on the Rock, which I started in the mid-90s, all the way into the early 2000s. And, and I also, for six years, was Mother Angelica's substitute for her show on, on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Sometimes I did the show with her. Sometimes I, I did it without her. She, didn't, uh, she wasn't feeling good or, or something. But uh, I'll never forget the story of Mother Angelica, who she had a vision in her heart, a desire within her to cover the world with God's Word. Now, this is a little nun from Ohio and uh, has no particular broadcasting skills, very little money, and she's part of a group of of, uh, nuns in Birmingham, Alabama. In order to raise money, she roasted peanuts— at the Dalatega, is that what it is? Yeah, racetrack in, uh, I think that's what they call it. Yeah, in um, Alabama. And that's how she made money for her ministry. And then she made fishing lures to make money for her ministry. And she wrote little small booklets. But she took what she had and she gave it to the Lord. And it was not much. And she said, Lord, this is what I have. I'm going to give it to you. Lord, I want to cover the world with your word. And so she gave it to the Lord. And what do you know? One thing developed after another, after another, with her continuous giving spirit. And she ended up, as you probably know, she ended up with the largest religious television network in the world and the largest shortwave radio and AM-FM signals to the world and a website that's amazing. One nun, little experience, no education in this area, gave what she had to the Lord. and This is the kingdom. He did amazing things with it. So what you're facing right now in your life uh, with the obstacles that you face, whether it be financially or whether it be uh, task-oriented or your vocation as a mom or a dad, it, it, what I want to show you with this story in Matthew 14 is that Jesus can do amazing things with what you have. When we come back from the break, we'll get into that story. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. Every one of us is made in the image of God. We are unique worthy of love, and called to greatness. In this world, though, we can be distracted from that truth and begin to doubt God's love is real. You see, we live in a world that tells us we are not smart, attractive, thin, or rich enough. It is easy to focus on the ways we fall short of worldly perfection 
and forget that we are already made perfect. We are already enough. I'm Danielle Bean, author of You Are Enough, what women of the Bible teach you about your mission and worth. You Are Enough dives into the stories of women in the Bible so that you can fully see God's plan for your life. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. All right, we're talking today about feeling like we don't have what it takes to get whatever job that is done. We've all been there. Let me share with you a story from Matthew 14. It is the feeding of the 5,000, the multiplication of the loaves. If you ever go to Israel with me, we go there. We go to that place on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. Nothing like reading this on location. In Matthew 14, it says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place apart. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. As he went ashore, he saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, Lord, uh, this is a lonely place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Pause there for a second. Does that sound familiar? When, when we have a great task before us, let's just give it to other people. Let's send them away. There's agencies for this. There's other places to eat. Other people will show them the way. Yeah, God is big. He'll do that. We, we have a habit of outsourcing our problems, of giving the challenge to somebody else because we we have taken stock, and we just don't have what it takes here. My friend, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. So often, people will say, when faced with a task, these words, that's not my gift. Oh, I have heard that so much. I've even used that myself. That's not my gift. As if... Everything that Jesus calls me to do has to be in my wheelhouse. That's baloney. That isn't the kingdom of God. And you know why? Because doing things in the kingdom of God, being successful in the kingdom of God, is not dependent upon your gifts or dependent upon your resources. It is dependent upon Jesus and our total reliance upon him. This is the fun of it. This is the joy of the kingdom. This is the great adventure. I love it. So their solution was, send them away. They'll buy food for themselves. Yep. And I can go on back to my DVR and watch my favorite show. And then he goes on in Matthew 14 and verse 16. Jesus responds to them and he said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we've only got five loaves here and, and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Now let's pause again in the story, shall we, for a moment? This is powerful stuff. If you listen to this carefully, this is powerful. 
Because when Jesus told them that we don't need to send the people away, you as my 12 disciples, you give them something to eat. The very first thing they did is they took stock and they came up with the conclusion that this is all we have. They had their five loaves and their two fish. They got it from some kid. And, uh, and they, they brought that out, looked at the, at the five loaves and the two fish, looked at the crowds, looked back at the five loaves and the two fish, looked at the crowds, looked back at the five loaves and two fish, and said, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. And what did Jesus say? This is so beautiful. He didn't say, well, go over to Tiberias, to the, this particular uh, fish shop, and buy a bunch of them. I'm just going to multiply money here, and you go, you go do that. No, he didn't do it. He, di- he, didn't, uh, he didn't say, well, I know of a restaurant down the road where they could go. He didn't. He said, so you've only got five loaves and two fish, eh? That's for the Canadians. He said, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. He didn't say, well, give that to the people then. Divide it up. Get a fine little cutting knife, chop it up into thousands of of little pieces and go out and give it to the people. He didn't even say that. What did he say? He said, bring the five loaves and the two fish to me. Pause. What are you facing right now? We'll talk about what to do with that in, in just a minute, but get a hold of this. The direction for what you have is to Jesus. It's to Jesus. Jesus is the center of this story. He is the one who can meet the needs of the people. He is the one who can do amazing things with five loaves and two fish. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. It's kind of like someone who has $100 and they say, well, I want to, by the time I retire, I want to have, I want to have $100,000. Well, what are you going to do with it? Well, you bring it to the one who knows what to do. You bring it to a someone who is a financial planner, maybe. You know, bring it to them. They'll do something with it. And in this case, Jesus says, bring the five loaves and the two fish to me. And then look what he does. He doesn't even do anything with a fish yet. He says, guys, you need to get these crowds ordered and have them sit down on the grass. Because they're, they're standing up ready to go. He says, get the people to sit down. And uh, another one of the uh, tellings of the feeding of the 5,000 talks about get them ordered into little groups. And, and so, in other words, set the table, get this place ready, have them sit down in the grass. And then he takes the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and he blessed. Little side note, Jesus doesn't bless food. He blesses his food. He's blessing God. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam hamotzi lechem in ha'aretz. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who causes bread to come forth from the earth. That was his blessing. That was his, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts. And he, he broke it then, after he blessed, he broke the, the loaves and the fish and gave the loaves back to the disciples. Quite an exchange, huh? What do you have? Five loaves, two fish. Bring them to me. Bless, break, give it back. And then he he gave it back to his disciples. And you know, if you read between the lines, he had to have said, all right, now go feed them. Now, pause there for a second. Can you imagine the look 
on the disciples' faces as Jesus said, turn around and give it to the people. You talk about feeling stupid. You talk about feeling inadequate. And to make it worse, one of your high school sweethearts is out there in the crowd. What's she going to think about you? What's your father-in-law going to think about you out there in the crowd? (laughs) You really, seriously, Lord, you want us to turn around and face the crowd? That's exactly what he wants. Putting it another way, we could say that the Lord wants you to turn around after he has done something with what you had, you gave it to him. He wants you to turn around and face the problem. He wants you to turn around and face the situation. Now, if you're going through a tough time in your life right now, the goal of this is that you're going to come to Jesus, you're going to give Jesus what you have, he can do amazing things with it, but you're going to have to turn around at some point and face the problem. Don't run from the problem. Don't farm it out. Don't outsource it. It's your problem, and you can get through this. Even if you don't feel like you have what it takes, the truth is you have what it takes if it's in the hands of Jesus. And in this case, it was all of them together. It was their their teamwork, if you will. It wasn't even one of the disciples. It was all of the disciples who were participating in this incredible, this incredible happening, this miracle on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. And so he says, it says he broke and he gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. Now you know as well as I do, if they started off with a loaf, now they have less than a loaf. If they started off with a fish, they have less than a fish. But what they had, even though it was less than what they started with, they gave it away. They divested themselves of that. They gave it away. And there was that moment, you know that they experienced this moment, where they gave it away and suddenly it hit them, this is dumb. This is crazy. Now what am I supposed to do? Well, what you're supposed to do is what you did at the beginning. You brought them to Jesus. Now go back to Jesus. Turn around now and look at Jesus. And lo and behold, he's got a bakery going. He's got a bakery going and a fish shop right there. Right there on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee, he's got a whole whole load of fish and a whole load of bread, and he starts giving it back to them, and they go out to the crowd further, come back to Jesus, get more, go back out to the crowd, come to Jesus, back to the crowd, back to Jesus. Whoa! It had to have hit them at some point. Man, as Peter looks over at Andrew, do you know what's happening? I know what's happening. What's happening? We are walking in the kingdom of God. That's what's happening. Yeah, we could have sent them off to Wendy's. Yeah, we could have, we could have, we could have given them a couple bucks and go up to McDonald's. But here, they're operating in the kingdom of God. And it says in verse 20, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. Not bad. Not bad for a day's miracle. (laughs) Not bad. And get that, they ended up with more leftovers 
than what they started with. And then the kicker here is verse 21. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So you could be looking at 15, 20,000 people that were fed with five loaves and two fish. What are the critical parts of that, of that story? The critical parts are, are the need of the crowd, the little that they had, giving it to Jesus, Jesus blessing it and breaking it, Jesus giving it back to them. They turn and face the problem. They give it away and they return to Jesus and the cycle repeats itself until they were all fed. I love it. Now, maybe maybe you don't feel like you have enough to be a disciple. Maybe you feel like that's not your gift. That's not your wheelhouse. That's not that's not uh, center lane for you. But when Jesus called you to become his disciple, he certainly did not make that decision based on your storehouses. He made that decision because he knew that whatever you brought to the table, he could use, and he knew that the goal of your calling was to become like him. Put that in your wheelhouse and turn it. Maybe you don't feel like you have enough to be that father or the mother that God has called you to be. Listen, what you have right now is enough. If you will be in constant relationship with Jesus, learning, being transformed, being faithful, he will use you. That's the kingdom of God. It's not a university. It's not a public gathering place. It's not the Optimist Society or the Lions Club. It is the kingdom of God, and that's how he operates. Maybe you don't feel like you have enough of what it takes to be that employee or employer. Yes, you do. If it's in the hands of Jesus, with God, all things are possible. There's more than enough. There is more than enough in the midst of your pain. There is more than enough in your suffering in your finances, or whatever it might be. There's more than enough to face your fear, your anxiety, your emptiness. There's more than enough if you will turn and give what you have to Jesus. So what I'm going to challenge you today, uh, this week to do, is to take a moment, grab a pen and paper, and take stock. What is it that you, what area is it that you don't feel like you have what it takes? Is it being a parent? Is it being an employee? Is it um, a task? A job at the church? A new opportunity? Take stock. What do you have? Write it down. Maybe it's four or five things that, that you do have right now, even though I know that's not enough. I know, I know, I know. But write it down and then. I would like you to take that list to church before the Blessed Sacrament during a holy hour, and I'd like you to take that list, just you and Jesus, and lift that list up to him and say, Lord, I am giving you what I have. Use it, Lord, to meet the need that I don't think I can meet. 
Isn't that a beautiful assignment for this week? Take stock. And I'll leave you with this verse. I love this verse from Galatians 7. It really illustrates the principle here that we're talking about in Matthew 14. And I'll give you these in the show notes. Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So my friend, give what you have to him. If the little that you have is in his hands, it's enough. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I lift up my friend to you today, and I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them and show them, Lord, that what they have given to you is enough for what you have called them to. And I pray, Lord, that they'll have the courage to do it and to be faithful day in and day out. And may they experience the joy and the exhilarating enthusiasm of walking in the kingdom. I pray this in your mighty name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love you, my friend. Look forward to talking to you next week.